helping Abby do fun things um, is, is one of the highlights of my life. Oh, by the way, if you're a small child, we have a nursery downstairs. I'm, I'm tough to listen to for long periods of time. Um, if, if children are staying in, my wife has coloring books, but she left, so I don't know what's going on. But uh, um, I'll, I'll point her out when she comes in. If you need a coloring book, she'll hand them out. Okay? Um, anyway, that was an aside. I'm sorry. I usually start with that. Um, I, uh, so the, the big things I look forward to, I look forward, there she is, coloring books. Um, raise your hand if you need a coloring book. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Matt. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I love watching Abby open stuff and, and get candy. And actually the Easter egg hunt, like watching her collect up plastic eggs, is, is a lot of fun. Um, I really love um, that pancake breakfast. Right? I love sausage, and I love the excuse to eat entirely too much. Um, I love worship on, on Easter morning. But, but secretly, one of the things I look forward to the most, and my wife knows this, and, and it's why she, she, she did this, I think. I, I love marshmallow peeps. Oh, they're, they're, they're the guiltiest pleasure I've got. And, and my wife knows it. And, and, and so this morning, I've been on a diet for months, and I've lost all this weight, and I think she did it to trip me up so that I don't lose weight as fast. I think it, um, but she brought me boxes of these things, but they're not ordinary marshmallow peeps. They're flavored, right? These are lemonade flavored peeps. Has anybody tried these? Is anybody interested? Can Mike have one or has he passed his sugar limit for the day? There you go, Mike. Anybody else need a peep? <laughs> Here you go. Anybody else? Oh, <laughs> oh, here. <laughs> they are lemonade flavored. I'm gonna eat one. I had to come up with a way to get rid of these things. Anybody else? Oh, of course. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, split it with your sister. Um, yeah, you want to watch something funny right here? There's one left. I'm gonna throw it at the football players and Doc. <laughs> you should see those guys eat. Um, so, so peeps, right? Like, like, is there any less nutritious food in the world? I mean, I mean, they literally, they are puffed sugar, those with lemonade flavor, right? I mean, you eat them and you, you might as well be eating nothing, except that they're probably going to clog your heart and kill you, right? (laughs) By the end of the day, I got two more packages. By the end of the day, if I finish these, there's going to be a big lump of marshmallow fluff in my aorta and, (laughs) and that'll be it, but I'll die happy. (laughs) <laughs> and without life insurance, honey. Um, <laughs> is there a salesman in the house? Um, <laughs> the thing with them is, once you're done eating them, you might as well have not eaten them, right? They're, they taste good, right? And in that respect, they're wonderful. Quiet, you. Um, <laughs> they're, they're fluffy. They feel good in your mouth. They, they actually have that sugar on your fingers, so my fingers are going to taste like lemonade for the rest of the day, which is kind of weird and gross. Um, but at the end of the day, once you're done eating them, it's done, right? There's no nutritional value. I gain nothing for having eaten that, except maybe a pound or two. Um, at the end of the day, there's nothing that's coming out of it, right? Now, Easter morning, I, 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 I don't normally start sermons this way, but I woke up this morning, and this is like the burning thing in my mind, so this is where I'm at. Um, when Easter happens, we have two choices. We can encounter God. 
we can meet the risen Savior. Like, like the story of, of Jesus is literally the story of God himself stepping into this world, not because he thought it would be a good time for a vacation, but because he loves each and every one of you so much, so very much, that he would do anything, anything to be close to you. And that God who stepped into this world allowed himself to be nailed to a piece of wood, right? And, and he didn't do it just because he did it. He allowed it to happen because, um, because you and I do bad things. Is there anybody here who doesn't? Is it just me? <laughs> um, and, and he took punishment for the things that we do, right? That's a truth that should change our lives. Um, so Easter morning can be marshmallow peeps. It tastes good. It's wonderful. You enjoy it. But when you're done, it's just past, right? Until you have to get on the treadmill and work it off. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, or it can be something significant, something substantial that changes your life. Um, I'm starting in an odd place today. Um, I'm starting in Job. This is the very last part of our series. Um, all season we've been talking about um, Easter and the Old Testament. There's this whole half of the Bible that took place before Jesus took place, showed up. And that half of the Bible is actually like three quarters of it. Um, and it encompasses thousands of years of history. And the cool thing that happens is, in the Old Testament, there are all these places where it points forward to Jesus coming. They're like echoes, or sh- you know, foreshadows, is actually the Bible talks about shadows of things to come. And so all of this foreshadowing points forward. And I, I didn't want to skip over the last Old Testament sermon, and so I decided that we'd, we'd look at this um, slightly different. Um, um, but we're going to look specifically this morning for a moment at, at Job. And, and mostly as we talk about Joe, we're going to talk about the fall. Um, the world we live in is broken. Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, things happen that shouldn't happen. Family members die, right? Um, people end up lost. Dodges get made and their sunroofs fall off while you're driving home. Um, <laughs> um, people get sick. Um, People get, like, hooked on sins that, that they wish they could get away from, but they can't, right? Anybody ever watch a family member or a loved one or experience, like, getting hooked on something and just not being able to quit doing it and knowing it's wrong and keep thinking, man, i got to stop doing this, but the next thing you know, you're back to it? That's sin, and sin controls all of us. It, it makes the world not work the way it's supposed to. Um, wow, how did I end up there? Can you... Can you <laughs> Um, we're going to look at Job because Job probably best exemplifies this. Job is a guy in the Old Testament who was really good, and he was really rich. Everybody with me? So he was like this guy that, that was blameless, meaning you couldn't come up with anything to point at that guy and say, this guy is terrible, right? In fact, so much so that God says it about him. He says, he says if you considered my servant Job, he's blameless amongst men. Like, he's awesome. Look at how great my guy Job is. Um, Job had... A lot of wealth. He had a huge family. He had a um, giant farm, the whole nine yards. And in the course of about a week, Job's family dies, except for his wife. Everything he owns is stolen from him. His house burns down. And then he finds himself sitting in the ashes of his house, like covered in like sores because he gets leprosy. And he's got a broken piece of a plate that he's scratching his sores with. Okay? <laughs> Happy Easter. Um, <laughs> um, why am I starting with this? Because I think that a lot of folks experience this in life, where they wake up one morning and they realize that things are not the way that they were meant to be. Has anybody experienced that? 
this week, <laughs> where you wake up and you realize, you know what, the world should not be working the way it is. And that's actually what most of the book of Job is about. He's sitting there in the pile of ashes that was his house, and he starts griping about God. He says, God, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Why is this happening to me? I didn't deserve this. And his, his friends, quote-unquote friends, show up, and they sit around him, and they're like, well, it's obvious to me, Joel, Job, Job, that you committed some sort of sin and God is squishing you because he's mad. How would you like to have friends like that? How many of y'all have known people like that? <laughs> Don't point. Um, aha, it came back. Um, so Job, as, as Job has lost everything, and actually his response, his, his wife comes up to him and she looks at him, sitting in the ashes that was his house, and she's like, Job, you know what? Your life is a disaster. You should curse God and die. So now we know why the wife survived. <laughs> um, because she was the one curse that he couldn't get away from. <laughs> Unlike my wonderful wife. <laughs> Who brought me marshmallow peeps? <laughs> um, and Job's response, he says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before him. This also will be my salvation, for a godless man may not come before his presence. Listen carefully to my speech and let, me, or, and let my declaration fill your ears. Behold, now I have prepared my case and I know that I will be vindicated. He says, I wish God would just show up here so I could argue my case as to why this is unfair. Right? And, and guess what? It was unfair. Isn't that horrible? The world's unfair. You know why the world's unfair? Because it's broken. Because sin came into the world. People do bad stuff. And that bad stuff doesn't just affect them and the people around them. It affects the weather. It affects cars not working right. It sounds crazy to say it, but the world is in steady decline as a result of sin. The Bible talks about it over and over again. Things don't work the way they're supposed to because the world is broken. It's... It's a little like, well, we'll get into that. Um, and so for Job, Job says, listen, I want to I plead my case. I, I love God even though my life isn't, I'm not being treated fairly, but I just want to plead my case. Just let me stand up and say what I have to say. Um, Job argues with his friends for a little while, and one of the best passages in the Old Testament, um, one of the most amazing pieces of Scripture, and actually we sang a song about this this morning. Job stands up, he says, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Meaning, I wish that somebody would write this down so it'll last forever. Um, with it, uh, that with an iron stylus and lead, that they were engraved in the rock forever. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God. Now you hit pause there for a second. He says... My God is alive, and my God is out there, and my God knows this isn't right, and my God knows that I shouldn't be abandoned to this. My God is alive. And he says, even the day I die, I know that I will stand in my flesh again, and I will see God vindicate me. Um, he goes on, he says, whom I myself will behold, and whom my eyes will see, and not another. My heart faints within me. Job is completely sold on this idea that even though the world is busted, right? Even though it runs like an old Dodge sometimes. Even though it seems like it'll never get better. I'm just going to keep doing that. Um, 
even though it seems like it never, ever will get better, my God is watching and my God will fix it. Um, And he does fix it. He does fix it by showing up as one of us. Everybody with me? The story of Jesus is the story of God setting the world right. But he doesn't set it right by hitting a reset button, right? Anybody ever look around you and sort of wish you had a button so you could, like, start over? (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, this is bad. Can't I just, like, start over? Everybody heard me say reset button, right? Like, let's let's back up. Um, God doesn't hit the reset button. God shows up and pays for our sins. The problem with the reset button is, by the way, is there anybody here who hasn't sinned? Let me ask. The, the reset button means you get squished and God makes a new creation. I don't like that deal. Everybody with me? Anybody okay with that? Um, if you look at, I got a cross up front. On Friday night, we did uh, Good Friday services. And there's a passage in the New Testament where it says that God takes our sin, our bill of debt, and he nails it to the cross. Meaning that like when Jesus was nailed to the cross, God looked at him and he saw my debt. He saw my sin. He saw my wickedness. He saw my brokenness. And he just poured all his wrath on that. And from that day forward, um, if I'm a person of faith in Christ, if I'm a follower of Jesus, what God sees when he looks at me is Jesus' goodness. And what he sees when he looked at Jesus on the cross was my wickedness. Um, And so we all, all of us can get that reset button. We can be made new by having faith in Jesus and having our, our debt wiped out by being nailed to the cross. This is a huge claim. Okay, like I get that this is a big claim. Um, But it's a big claim that God substantiates because we serve a living God. We serve a God who resets and brings things back, not a God who gives up and lets things remain dead or lets things remain broken. Um, Jesus was arguing with a group of Pharisees one day, and these or Sadducees. The Sadducees were these guys who didn't believe in life after death. And they argued, they're like, well, this resurrection thing. And they asked this really complicated, legalistic question trying to trap him. And Jesus answers the question and makes him look stupid, right? So it's like asking me a question, and I throw it back at you. Thanks for laughing at that. I was, <laughs> it was supposed to be the joke. I Gosh. Um, but, but Jesus comes around and he says, but regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. Is he not the God of the dead, but the God of the living? So what he says is, he's like, listen, he's the God of these three guys, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These guys are alive. These aren't dead bones. These are guys that are alive, and the Sadducees have to say, you're right, you're right, I guess. He's not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. Um, it, 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 it's a word trap is what he does. Um, but Jesus argues this. Every one of us will come back. And at the cross, we see evidence of that. Or at the resurrection on Easter, we see evidence of this. We're going to um, move on. Even an, on Resurrection Sunday, one of the first lines spoken to the women who discover the empty tomb, um, they're standing there. And in Luke, we find, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly s- stood 
near them dazzling in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed on their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? And they're talking about Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross until he was dead. To make absolutely certain, the soldiers walked up and they stuck a spear in his side. And what that means, he was elevated maybe about this high, and they jammed that spear up underneath his ribcage and pierced his heart. How do we know that? Because Luke, who was a doctor, recorded that water and blood came running out. That means that the pericardial sac, which is this big bag that your heart sits in, is filled with clear fluid. And they pierced that, and the spear went into the heart, and blood and pericardial guck came out. And, and, I mean, he was as dead as he was going to get. And yet, three days later, in the day that we celebrate, he was alive again. The angels asked, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? We're here to worship a risen Savior, a living God, a God that watches your difficulty and loves you and says, you know what? I see this brokenness. I see this sin. I see this stuff that hurts you. I see this fear, this anger, this worry, this mess. And I got a solution. Now, mind you, this is tough, right? It's tough because it's not easy. Um, I'm going to drop stuff now. <laughs> this is something that demands an action. It's something that demands stuff of us. God looks and says, I will fix this for you. And I will fix it because I love you. There's three of them. <laughs> and we can enjoy nothing. We can enjoy emptiness. Peeps? We can enjoy, you know, our easy Sunday morning and forget about God until next year. Come on, you know you want it. <laughs> I've made fun of your car. You want them? <laughs> or we can look to God and we can have something sweeter and better. Freedom in Christ. Oh, here. The raspberry. <laughs> What does the resurrection do for us? You guys are fighting over who has to eat it, really? Wow, that was in my throat there. There are college kids complaining right now. Um, um, the first result of the resurrection is, we fir- the first of all, we, we serve a God who knows our struggle, right? Um, one, of my, one of the hardest lines in the Bible is in Job. Job cries out to God and he says, Have you eyes of flesh or do you see as a man sees? Are your days numbered as the days of a mortal, or are your years as a man's years? So Job turns to God and he says, Do you have any idea how hard life is? Anybody ever felt that way? (laughs) God, you want to trade places? You want to come do this for a little while? (laughs) You want to walk this path with me? And what does God do? God sends, I mean, God literally shows up and takes on eyes of flesh. He experiences a life with days numbered. We have a God that knows us, that knows what we go through. This is from Hebrews. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Meaning, so Jesus comes, Jesus suffers torture, he suffers humiliation. He was literally hung naked in front of thousands, or hundreds of people. Um, unfairness, he was tri- his trial took place in somebody's living room at three in the morning. If you get pulled over by the cops and they take you home to put you on trial... That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. They do that kind of thing in Missouri, not Montana. Um, <laughs> it's justice. Um, 
he experienced every bit of unfairness and every bit of unpleasantness, and he comes out the other side. And so when I turn to God and when you turn to God and when your neighbor turns to God and says, God, do you get how wrong this is? He can say, yep, I've been there. I've done that. I experienced that. Um, so the first result of the crucifixion and the resurrection is a God who knows. Um, the second result of the, the resurrection is his, his identity is confirmed. Um, there are lots of people who make big claims, right? There are lots of people who say that they know everything. Um, there's a religion, uh, religious group, the Scientology. Nobody's a Scientologist here, right? If you are, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. Um, the gal who founded Scientology said that death is an illusion and all sickness is an illusion. And it's just a result of you not having enough faith. And if you have enough faith, you won't ever get sick and you'll live forever. Guess what? She's dead. <laughs> the reality is that people make huge claims, but if you can't back your claims up, they don't mean nothing. If I tell, I said this in the first service and I said it to a group last week, I'll say it again. If I told you guys I could fly around this building, would anybody believe me? Probably not, right? Not if you have any sense. How would I have to demonstrate it? I have to prove it, right? I just can't do it while anyone's looking. Um, <laughs> I, I did it yesterday. Um, <laughs> his identity is confirmed because he made huge claims. Um, then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus' resurrection is proof of who he was and the claims he made. When you say, well, how do we prove that? Well, the 11 guys who witnessed it all were tortured to death swearing they saw it. I mean, like, not nice torture. I mean, like, bad torture. Like, <laughs> all of them lost their homes and their families. There was another 500 men who were... Um, who saw Christ, like uh, Corinthians talks about this, and swore that this is the truth. This is, like, the resurrection is proof of his claims. So when Christ says you're, you can be healed, you can be forgiven, your debt can be paid, um, it's proved, it's proved in the resurrection. Um, another result of the resurrection is the punishment for sin is canceled. Um, but when this perishable, we, will, we have put on, uh, excuse me, when... But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of death is the law. But thanks to God, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, um, Romans says that the punishment of sin is death. Like, people die because sin exists in the world, right? Um, Jesus demonstrates that death isn't the end. That if we have faith, we're forgiven. And even if we die, we'll one day live again. That eternity is ours. Jesus is actually the first fruit of the resurrection. He's the first proof that all men live forever. Um, we're buried with him and we're raised again in Christ. Anybody have a history that you would just assume never have happened? I'm going to raise my hand, okay? Like, <laughs> I have a whole chunk of my life that if I could throw it away and start over, I would probably do it, right? Fortunately, God uses that bad stuff and has used it well, but, like, man, if I could trade it. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, 
Um, what the scripture says is, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead um, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in a newness of life. Meaning that once I'm in Christ, that old me is dead and a new me has showed up. A, a version of me that's alive in Christ and walks in him and is constantly striving toward newness. Um, but it's expensive. It means I have to die to that old way, Right? And, and it don't sound like fun because, man, sin is fun. Um, the resurrection assures us of eternal life, meaning it's proof positive. Meaning at the very end of the day, Paul says this over and over again as he's sitting in prison cells. I may lose what I've got now, but one day, this isn't a direct quote, it's a summary. Uh, I may lose my life now. I may experience suffering now. I may struggle now, but one day there's heaven. And one day I'll walk with Christ because Paul saw him raised. Um, every one of us, no matter what happens, will stand again before God. Um, death is never the end. But we'll all stand before Him and we'll all answer. And we'll either answer as people who are seen as folks who are new creations in Christ or not. Um, my challenge for you today, and I always close with a challenge, um, my challenge for you today is, is this. Like, is this another holiday? A four-day weekend, Right? Um, is this a day that we're celebrating something life-changing? Are we here as new creations? As people who are saved by the blood of Christ? As people, you were the one who wanted it, right? <laughs> or is this just more, you know, candy for the Sunday morning? Is this a day that we make a decision to be new men? Ah! <laughs> No peace for any of you. Um, <laughs> is this a day that we become new creation, or do we trip over our own hubris <laughs> and make no move forward? Like, God is calling us. God is calling us to new life. God is calling us to take on this, this death and resurrection, literally to die to our old selves and become new creations. My challenge for you today is, is for this to not be another holiday. Walk out of here and be new people. Be resurrected people. People saved by grace um, and made alive again in Christ. We're going to close a pr with prayer and we're going to have a last song. <laughs> uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us this week. Help us to be people of, of new creation, Lord. Help us to be people who, who um, consume substance, who are filled with your word and filled with your spirit, Lord. That this wouldn't be another another easy day, um, another day that we just celebrate and go on as though nothing, nothing happened. Lord God, I pray that you would have the resurrection and, and the life and death and, and suffering of Christ change us. Um, change us in a way that's, that's undeniable. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.